Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Um, I'm super excited, guys, to be talking about identity. I, I, I shared this last week, but... I just feel like the body of Christ is in the middle of an identity crisis. And it's because we've suffered identity theft. We're letting other people tell us who we are instead of letting, instead of letting God tell us who we are. And, and that is affecting everything about us. And so um, I, I really feel like prayerfully, I switched out last minute what we were going to be preaching on this month. And so we're talking about identity. Um, just some quick review before we get into today's message. By the way, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. So thankful for you. Um, your identity is who you think you are. See, in the back of your head is a running dialogue about yourself. You're always telling yourself information about you. And sometimes that's right. Sometimes it's wrong. Just because you think a thought doesn't mean it's from God. So we have to inspect, what do I really think about myself? From whom am I getting my information about myself? Because your identity is who you think you are. Your identity determines your activity. That's why this is important. Because you'll act like the person you think you are. And so it's super important that we understand what scripture says about our identity. So during this series, we're looking at four different fingerprints, four different fingerprints that determine our identity according to the word of God. Here they are. I'm a child of God. I'm unconditionally loved. I am in Christ and I have purpose. I'd love for you guys just read these with me. Let's just say them out loud together. You ready? I am a child of God. I am unconditionally loved. I am in Christ and I have purpose. Now, why would I make you say this out loud? It's because you need to get used to hearing what God says about you. Because you're always hearing what everyone else says about you. And many of us grew up around family members or co-workers or teachers or, or pastors or whomever that would speak maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, negative things over us and we adopt those as truth and then they're running around in the back of our heads. And we're acting as if they are true, but they're not because this is what's true. You are a child of God. And we talked about that last week. You have a heavenly father. Your heavenly father loves you. You have been adopted. That means you were chosen on purpose. And you have an inheritance because you have a heavenly father. You're part of a heavenly family and you have a heavenly inheritance. It's great news. You should figure out what that is. You should read scripture, figure out what, what the Bible says is your inheritance. We looked at it last week. It's the glory of God. But even more than that, you can go through scripture and look at your inheritance. So you are a child of God. This morning, we're going to be looking at the second fingerprint is the fact that you are unconditionally loved. You are unconditionally loved. 
What, what does that mean? I mean, if I were to ask you, does God love you? You'd be like, yes. Like you would rattle off that answer immediately, yes. Because you know it's the right answer. But do you really know it's the right answer? What does it mean to be loved anyway? See, we use the word love for everything, don't we? We, we say, I love pizza. I love my mom. <laughs> I love my favorite team. I, I love my spouse. I, I, I love Jesus. I love all these things. We use the word love for everything. And that's not always what it means. The way that the world, and we need to understand this, the way that the world explains love is very different than how scripture explains love. The world uses a heart to symbolize love, but God used a bloody cross. So when, when scripture says love, he's talking about something different than the world does. First John chapter four Verse 16, John says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. I'm going to need to talk to John about this when I get to heaven because I kind of disagree. He starts out and goes, we, what he says, he says, we know how much God loves us. I don't think we do. I, I just don't think that we do. I, I know we're supposed to think that God loves us. We can say, yes, God loves us. We can tell someone Jesus loves you, <laughs> but we don't always act like it, right? So I, I'm not sure that we fully understand the depth of God's love. You know, love is not just something that God has, it's who he is. The scripture says twice, he actually said it about eight verses before this, that God is love. Twice, two times in a row. God is, he doesn't just have love, he is love. I mean, I think, and we go over this in our 101 class, to me, love is the quintessential best description, one word description of who God is. I mean, scripture just said it, God is love. See, there are different detail levels of truth. You know, if I were to say, if someone were to ask me, hey, Jamie, where is your church? If I said the United States, I'm right. If I said Georgia, I'm right. If I said Thomasville, Georgia, I'm right. But if I said 19150 US Highway 19 North 31757, that's the best description, the most accurate and detailed description. And the most accurate and detailed description of who God is and what he's like is that God is love. There are many other things that God is. But I think we see in scripture over and over that love is how he wants to be Described, And you can describe me a bunch of different ways. I like college football. I like ice cream. Right? I love music. Uh, I, I love my family. I love Jesus. All those things are true. But if you were introducing me to one of your friends, you said, hey, this is Jamie. He likes ice cream. You wouldn't be wrong, but that's not how I want to be described. Right? 
In the same way, if we want to describe God the best way, God is love. He is love. I want to spend some time understanding what love is. And so I want to share something with you. Now, if you've ever been through marriage counseling with me, this is going to be something that you've heard me say. But I want to talk about different words for love that are found in the Greek language. And I like to use breakup lines to describe them. How do we get to the bottom of what love is like? Well, let's look at, at, at four words for love in ancient Greek, okay? This is, by the way, in your notes. If you have our VFC app, you go to Sundays at VFC, go to Sermon Notes. All the, all the fill-in-the-blank notes are there. You can keep up. You can read all the passages in the Bible that I've put in here in the version that I'm reading them. So the first love is eros. Eros is passion. If you could just d- define it with one word, it's passion. It's infatuation. It's often the romantic love. It's where you just feel in love. And they can do no wrong. Right? It's that passionate. Love is important, especially in a marriage. But we're also passionate about other types of things in our lives as well. When a relationship is missing this type of love, here's the breakup line. I love you. I'm just not in love with you. When Eros is missing, that's the breakup line. I love you, I'm just not in love with you. I think you're a great person, but there's no spark. There's no passion, right? So that's the first kind of love. This is not the type of love that God has for us. Although he is very passionate for us, this is not, when it says, Scripture says God is love, it's not this word, eros. It's not the Greek word that's used. Here's another one. Philio. Philio. The one word definition of philio is friendship. Friendship. Camaraderie. Enjoying one another's company. Well, God certainly enjoys your company. He sent your Holy Spirit to have fellowship with you. His Holy Spirit to have fellowship with you. He loves communion with you. He loves being with you. Phileo is, is, is where we get the, the word, the city Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, brotherly love. Like I, there are guys in this room. I, I love you guys. I'm not attracted to you. But I love you, Right? It's just a different kind of love. Instead of romantic passion, this is friendship. When this is missing in a relationship, the breakup line is, we just don't have anything in common. Right? You can like someone, you can like hanging out with them, you can be passionate about them, but you don't have anything in common with them. And so that's filio. But, but again, this is not the God kind of love. This is not the word that's used in scripture to describe God's love. When it says God is love, it's neither one of these words. He does have a passion for you. He, he does have a friendship and a desire to be with you. We are called friends of God in scripture. Then we get to this word, agape. Agape is sacrificial love, unconditional love. It's active love that does something for someone else. This is the word that's used to describe God's love for us. When scripture says love about God's love, it's using this word agape. Now, if agape is missing in a relationship, here's the breakup line. It's not you, it's me. What does that mean? Look, you're great. There's nothing wrong with you. You're attractive. You're all these, you're all these things. I'm not willing to lay my life down for you. I'm not willing to move across the country. I'm not willing to, to change my plans. I just, there's no agape. And, and that's, and this is the kind of love, which by the way, agape is the secret sauce to marriage. 
But, but there's, when there's not agape in a relationship, there's no sacrifice, there's no service. This is the way that God loves us. John 15, 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this. Greater agape, right? Here's a great definition of agape. Here it is. That one lay his life down for his friends. To lay his life down. Sacrificially, unconditionally. This is, a God, this is when I say God is love, because my, my goal this morning is to convince you that you are unconditionally loved, but I got, I got to tell you what that means first. And then we'll talk about how he loves you in that way. But I need you to understand, when God thinks about you, he sacrificially, unconditionally loves you. Wants to sacrifice for you. Wants to do things that help you. We'll flesh that out as we keep going. Unconditional love is love that's constant and unchanging with no strings attached. Now, there's a fourth word for love in, in ancient Greek, just so you know. It's storge. It's family love. It's, it's the love that a mother has for a child, a, a brother has for a sister, aunts and uncles. Right? It's family love. It's family love. And again, God has brought you into his family. We talked about that last week. But all of these types of love are important, and we all experience these in, in, in our natural relations and our spiritual relationship with God. But guys, agape is where it's at. Agape is how God feels about you. And it's, it's difficult because there are few things on this earth that we can draw a parallel to that describes God's agape love for us. It's really hard to describe. It's really hard to wrap our heads around. The closest thing I can think of, and I, it just happened to fall on Mother's Day, is the love of a mother for a child. The love of a mother for a Why? I mean, have you seen childbirth? That's some sacrifice. I mean, nine months, and that, that, little, that little baby's in there stealing all your nutrients? Taken from you. <laughs> taken from you and, and, and taking all the stuff that you're eating, right? Making you feel bad and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and about, if you see a, a woman at the end of the pregnancy, man, she is wobbling. I remember having to pick Tiffany out of the bed. I had to like lift her out, right? And then, and then childbirth happens. Oh my gosh. I watched all three of my children be born. It was intense. It's crazy. I want to go up to them after them and be like, you say you're sorry for what you just did to your mom. <laughs> right? You just, I can't, I can't believe you did that. Could you imagine the baby like, apologizing, look, I didn't know that was going to happen, okay? I, I was in here. Everything was nice and it was fine. I didn't know how you're going to get me. I knew you were, but I did not know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And then the baby comes out, and that baby can't do anything for you. It's just a ball of goo, crying. Some of them got cone heads. you seen the cone? It's like, is this an Area 51 hospital that I'm in right now? There's, there's no, but yet, but yet a mother tends to and feeds at her own detriment. Feeds this baby and loves this baby and takes care of this baby. Guys, it's the closest thing I know to agape love on this earth. Takes her weeks to recover 
physically for the sacrifice that she just made. Man, that's agape love. Am I scaring any young women who haven't had babies yet? They're like, oh, <laughs> I might want to adopt. Okay. This is love. This is agape love. It's love that sacrifices. I want to tell you this morning four things. I want you to know about God's unconditional love. I'm going to warn you, this is an unbalanced sermon. I try to, I often, I try to say, you know, do this, but also just remember this, right? That's, that's just good preaching where you say, no, I don't mean this. I'm not going to balance this out at all this morning because I want to shock you. My goal this morning is to shock you into recognizing the depths, the craziness of God's agape, unconditional love for you. It's going to get uncomfortable, especially if you were raised in a very religious, strict church context. Because we don't talk enough about the unconditional nature of God's love. We say, God loves you, so you love God. We just immediately, and, and we do love God. And we got more sermons in this identity series. Well, we'll talk about that. I ain't going to talk about it today. I want to make you really uncomfortable with how much God loves you. Here's the first thing I want you to know is that God's unconditional love for you is unstoppable. It is unstoppable. Romans chapter 8, 35 through 39. Paul says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? The answer is no. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry? Or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. That's an Old Testament reference. Verse 37. No, despite all these things, what things? The pain of life, trials, tribulation, things we don't like, things we pray against. Despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who agaped us who loved us. Overwhelming victory. One translation says we are more than conquerors. Man, the word conqueror is enough. To be a conqueror is incredible. But it says we are more than conquerors. Overwhelming victory. If you've ever watched a a team, baseball, basketball, football, in, in any sport, and the other team just clobbers, like completely wipes the floor with the other team, that's overwhelming victory. Guys, the fight over your soul was an overwhelming victory. It was a blowout. God won, and there's no question who won. So it's really important. Now, this is, I want to pause here because this is a very important point that we all struggle with all the time. And it's this. Paul's saying the things that happen to you, the negative things that happen in this life are not an accurate reflection of how God feels about you. Now, you need to take that in. Just dwell on this for a second. The negative things that happen in this life are not an accurate reflection of how God feels about you. See, we, we try to make that connection all the time, don't we? You know, we, we, something happens, you know, we get a fender bender. Uh, we, you know, we, we're being audited by the IRS. <laughs> we're, whatever happens, happens, and we think, oh man, I must have upset God. I must have, he, he's mad at me, he's done something, I, I've done something, and, and he's, he's trying to teach me. Guys, that, 
I need you to understand that's a pagan thought process. It is a pagan thought process. You remember when Jesus in Matthew 6 is talking about, don't, don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. It says the unbelievers, the Gentiles, the pagans are the ones who think that way. Why? Because they don't have a father. They don't have someone that agapes them, that loves them unconditionally. So they think the fact that they don't have clothes means that God is mad. That is a pagan, don't, don't buy into that. Oh, I know a lot of t- churches will tell you that. They're wrong. I just read that they're wrong in scripture. You cannot draw a correlation between the negative stuff that's happening in your life and God's love for you. You can't, you, you can't say that one affects the other. God's love for you is unstoppable. It's constant. Let's keep reading. Some of y'all aren't convinced yet. Verse 38, for I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death or life. Well, what if I die? God still loves you. Neither angels or demons. What if I'm going through oppression? God still loves you. Neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. But things aren't working out. I'm scared, God. I might lose my house. My car just got repossessed. God still loves you. Don't think that he doesn't because of those things. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you get it? Do you get it? There's nothing you can do to make God love you more because he's already given you all of his love. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less because his love does not depend on how good you are, but on how good he is. You are perfectly, completely, totally loved right now. No matter what you do. That makes some of you really nervous. Because you've been trained to use God's love as behavior modification. You've been trained to think, well, God loves me, but. God loves me and. God loves you. Period. I want you to sit in this for a second. I'm trying to break through this outer shell over our hearts that we've put up to protect ourselves from people who've hurt us. The problem with walls, the good news is they keep the bad people out. The bad news is they keep the good people out. God loves you. He's mad about you. He's crazy for you. And you can't change that. Even right now, some of you think, well, what about heaven and hell? I'm not talking about that. See, you're, you're, going, you're going beyond the point. Don't go there yet. I want you to sit in this. God loves you right now, perfectly, completely. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It has everything to do with who he is. You can't get more of his love. It's already been given. It's already all been poured out. 
Trying to get God to love you is like trying to make water wet. It's already, it's already wet. It's what water is. I know there's a debate surrounding that, whether or not water is wet. Have y'all heard this? Yeah, I'm firmly in the water's wet camp. Other people say, no, water just makes things wet. If you touch water, how do you describe it? Wet, it's wet. <laughs> Guys, stop trying to earn God's love. Start learning to live in it. Start learning to live in it. Start receiving it. Stop rejecting his advances. Stop it. Do you have to act right? He's got a plan for that, but I don't want to get to that yet. I want you to feel the weight of his love right now. See, love is very uncomfortable for our flesh. When that part of you that rises up and says, yeah, but we've got to do this, and that's flesh. Have you ever had <laughs> like a grandmother or an aunt or a relative when you were like a kid and you go to like Christmas or Thanksgiving and they go, oh my goodness, and they just get up in your face and look at the cheeks and, the, and you're like, woman, I need you to back off, right? <laughs> Why? It's too much. God's love is too much. Amen. It's uncomfortable to our flesh. It makes us feel awkward. And if you don't feel a little awkward about God's ravishing love for you, you don't understand it yet. It's awkward. It's too much. It doesn't make sense. You know, there's a song that has been really popular called Reckless Love. That we say, you know, you know there was a pushback against that song by some Christians because they didn't like the idea of God in any way, shape, or form being described as reckless. God's not reckless, he's sovereign. That's what, that's what it, they were saying. And God is sovereign, absolutely. But in his sovereignty, he loves you. It's pretty reckless, because I'm not worthy of love. But he does it anyway. We would think that God's love would be a really bad decision by him. That's a bad investment, God. We're a bad investment. He loves us anyway, it's reckless. You see? Are you beginning to get this? His love is unstoppable. You have no say in the matter. Amen. You are perfectly and completely loved right now. Here's the thing. I just, I know I need to keep going. This is really the, my point. My one point this morning is that you're loved. So I just want to stay here. But I need you to understand. Somehow, I think it was through growing up in church and in, in Functional church, not dysfunctional church. Loving parents, my own scripture, being stu scripture study, Bible study, being married to a wonderful woman. All these things have created something in me. I genuinely believe that God loves me. Like, I don't only think that God loves me. I am fully convinced that God likes me. He likes to be around me. And because of that, it completely changes how I live. Amen. It allows me to love others without fear. Well, what if they don't love me back? I'm loved anyway. Amen. What if they don't like me? God likes me. And I want that for you because there's so much freedom that comes in knowing that you are unconditionally, without condition, without strings attached, loved by God. I really want that for you this morning. I really hope you get that.
You're unconditionally loved. Go ahead and choose to believe God's love for you. Anything else is believing a lie. If you say you're a Christian, you say you believe the Bible, then you have to believe that God's love is unstoppable towards you. If not, you're creating your own religion. It's not Christianity. His love is unstoppable. I I would like to just stay here the rest of the whole sermon, but I got to keep going. God's unconditional love for you is always pursuing you. Always pursuing you. 1 John 4.10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God loves you first. I know you know that. That's like doctrinally, yes, God. God loved us first. No, I want you to think about it. He loved you first. Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You had done nothing to earn his love. Nothing. You had done everything to try to push him away. And still he pursues you. Man, that's unbelievable. He is chasing you down. I met Tiff when I was a freshman in college. She was a junior in high school. And we weren't really interested in each other. I was a big, bad college man. I was interested in college girls. It went really well. Then her senior year in high school, my sophomore year in college, we were at a Bible study together. I I still remember when I first saw her. It was like the scales fell off my eyes. I was like, holy moly. Woof. And we're at this Bible study, and I'm supposed to be, y'all don't now y'all don't think bad about me, okay? I'm loved anyway, but I don't want you to think bad. So so I'm at this Bible, I'm supposed to be studying the Bible, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm like looking at her. I'm just like mesmerized. It was Tiffany's study that night. And, and, I, and I look at her and she's looking at me and we look down and I look at her and she's looking at me, right? So she leaves her Bible after we leave Bible study. She leaves her Bible there. I was at my brother's apartment in Birmingham, Alabama. And, and so I'm like, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take it to her because she said she was going to Walmart afterwards. So I grab her Bible. This is how insanely in love I was. I go to Walmart at night. That's when all the crazies come out. Like half of everyone's in some weird pajama pants. I'm going, I'm at Walmart. I, this is one of those super Walmarts, right? I'm walking around, Bible on hand, do, do, do. Where's the girl? I finally find her like in some you know, back corner somewhere. And I'm like, hey, I got your Bible. And that's as far as I had planned. Because then she looks at me like, what are you doing here? Uh, okay, so I saw your Bible, you left it, and, I, and you said you're going to Walmart, so I figured I'd bring it to you. And I realized how much of a creep I looked like in that moment. <laughs> so she's like, um, do you, you want to finish uh, shop, my shopping with me? I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just being a total idiot. So, so we, you know, she finishes, and so we, we go out in the parking lot, and then we're standing out in the cold, and I'm working up the nerve to ask her out, and finally, I can see she's shivering, she's looking like, I need to leave, and I'm like, okay, all right, you want to go see a movie, right? And then that was our, turned into our first date. I pursued her like a crazy person. <laughs> Why? 
Because of love. God pursues you in that way as well. He is holding up the boombox outside your bedroom window. (laughs) Playing love songs. Everyone over 35 or 40 got that. He is pursuing you. He is passionate about you. He is chasing you down. He'll even follow you into Walmart. <laughs> Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man, Jesus is talking about himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. I know we focus on save a lot. I want to focus on seek right now. He came to seek who? The lost. Those people? But they don't even know the right information about who you are, God. Yeah, he's seeking after them. He's pursuing them. He leaves the 99 to go find the one. And don't think for a second you're part of the 99. You were the one. He's seeking after you. He is pursuing you with all that he is. Would you stop running and give in to his advances today? Would you just let yourself be loved? Would you quit trying to earn it and recognize that he's pursuing you? I gotta hurry. Third thing is that God's unconditional love for you actively helps you. Actively helps you. The word agape is sacrifice or service. It's active, it's not passive. Y'all heard it said that love is a verb. Maybe you've heard it wrapped by DC Talk. Love is a verb. That means it's service, it's action, it's charity. The King James Version describes love as charity. What's charity? When you give. John 5, 17 is when Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. And he says this after the healing. Because he healed on the Sabbath and that made the religious people mad because they were more interested in their rules than loving people. And so Jesus' response to why did you heal on the Sabbath? He goes, my father is always working and so am I. He's actively helping. He's actively working. See, the opposite of love is not hate, but inaction. It's not caring. It's passivity in the face of a problem. That means whatever you're going through, God's already done something for you in response to that situation. It's just a matter of you receiving it, resting in him and receiving it. You don't have to convince him you're good enough for him to move on your behalf. He's already called you worthy through the blood of his son. You just get to receive it. See, we're often afraid to ask God for help because we, we know that we don't deserve it. You ever, you ever done the old, okay, God, it's me, Jamie. Like he doesn't know. It's been a while since we talked. Um, but I just want to say, hey, hey. Um... So here's the deal. I got a problem. Right? Have you ever, have you ever been like, and then you make deals with God. God, if you answer this prayer, I promise I will, I will tithe. Well, I'll give. Uh, I'll do this. And you start making deals. That, that is an orphan mentality. And it's someone who doesn't understand that they're loved. Scripture says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for help in time of need. Boldly. That's not arrogance. It's confidence. Arrogance is confidence in you, but confidence is believing God is who he says he is. I don't walk into God's presence because of me. I walk into God's presence confidently because of him. 
And, and so he is active because love helps. He is actively helping. God is, God's willingness to help you is based on his goodness, not our worthiness. It's based on him. You need to go. I know, see, everyone's dealing with something right now. Everyone's always dealing with something. You need to believe that God, in his love, in his passion, in his pursuit of you, is helping. He's working behind the scenes, and he's making, he's, he's working things for good. It's Romans 8. Do you believe that? Or are you just hoping it's true, and you're trying to act real good until it comes to pass? Trying to earn that favor? Trying to earn that love? Trying to earn that acceptance? You don't understand love yet. Again, some of you are like, yeah, but they have, tell them they have to act right. I'm going to tell them later. I'm going to tell them later. We talk about that a lot. Last one. God's unconditional love for you is not easy. It's not comfortable and it's not pretty. When we talk about love, we often talk about, it's, it's kind of like this Jesus is my boyfriend mentality. Oh, I just love Jesus. We're just in love with one another. There's passion for God and there should be passion from him to you and from you to him. But true love is really difficult. It's not easy. 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven, Jesus says, greater love has no man than this and a man lays life down for his friends. That's his succinct definition. Paul takes his time. Listen to this. This is agape. Agape love is patient. Agape love is kind and is not jealous Love does not brag and is not arrogant. I mean, like, I'm, I'm like scoring like maybe 50% on all these so far. Does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own. Love is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. You know, God doesn't look at you through the lens of your sin. He doesn't take into account the wrong that he suffered because of you. You don't ever need to ask God to forgive you for him going to the cross. He did it willingly. Did you hear that? He did it willingly. He willingly laid his life down. Don't say, I'm sorry you had to go to the cross for me. He willingly did. It was an act of love, of his own volition. He said, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to ask forgiveness. I didn't say that. I just said you don't need to feel bad about Jesus going to cross for you. He wanted to. It was his pleasure for the joy set before him is what Hebrews says. You see how how the love of God keeps getting messed with in our theology? Yeah, but, yeah, and he loves you. It doesn't take into account wrongs suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things. You ever feel like God's just tired of putting up with you? I, I think that sometimes, God, you've got to be crazy to put up with me. But it says that love, his love, agape love, bears all things, believes all things. It means believes the best. God believes the best about you. Hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Some translations say ceases. The word there is stops. Love never stops. His love is unstoppable. There's never a point in time where he's like, you know what? I'm done. Turn off the love. Let's get out of here. 
It will never happen. Love does what's best for the other person. I say that all the time. I hope you, it's rolling around in the back of your head. Love does what's best for the other person. Sometimes it's a hug, sometimes it's a push. He'll do what's best for you. That's not always giving you what you want. Because sometimes what you want hurts you, right? He's a good father. Love is not easy, comfortable, pretty. God's love demonstrated on the cross of Christ was hideous. A naked man nailed to a piece of wood after being beaten within an inch of his life. It's gross. But it's love. And it was willingly done for you. You didn't make him do it. He wanted to. Guys, do you believe that you're unconditionally loved? Do you you fight that idea in your heart? Man, I really want you to be free this morning. And yes, when you know you're unconditionally loved, you'll act right. Yeah. But you can't even act right until you understand you're unconditionally loved. So why talk about it? Until you get this first. Otherwise, you're just doing empty religious rituals. You are unconditionally loved. Do you act like it? Do you come to, does your prayer life reflect that fact that you're unconditionally loved? Guys, if we say we believe the Bible, then you have to believe that you're unconditionally loved. It's not based on you. It's all based on him. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. Close your eyes, take a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit the question I just asked you. Am I, do I act like I'm unconditionally loved? Or is my relationship with you, Lord, performance-based? Am I still trying to earn it? Have I stopped pursuing a relationship with you, God, because I just realized I wasn't good enough? Does your pursuit make me uncomfortable, Lord? Come on, do business with him. He loves you. Unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't get away from it. You can't convince him otherwise. I love to lead you in a prayer where we ask the Lord to help us walk in this love. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, help me understand the depths of your love. Remind me, God, that I can't earn it. It's something you freely give because it's who you are. Help me to receive it. Help me to be a person that walks around knowing they are loved and accepted by you. And Father, 
I give you permission to point out to me when I'm acting like I'm not loved. I love you, God, because you first loved me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at bfcthomasville.org.